right. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. If you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4 uh, this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 4, as Katie said, uh, for those of you who may not know, my name is Greg, and I'm on staff here uh, at Lakeview. I oversee the media, and I'm uh, Kevin's stunt double whenever he's not here, dead ringer. I know both in look and in sound, we get confused a lot. And uh, that's just how it goes. You are welcome to laugh with me. You're welcome to laugh at me. I don't care. As long as you're laughing, we are doing good. But uh, I want to echo what Katie said as well uh, about the week of prayer. It starts next Sunday, uh, and it'll go Sunday night through Friday night at 6 o'clock. I know many of you may have labs, you may have jobs, you may have different things that you're involved in. So I would say come to as much of it as you can. Uh, I know that uh, when I was your age, the opportunity to pray with a lot of older people who've been walking with the Lord, you know, as long or twice as long as I had been alive, uh, was very intimidating, but it was also like extremely rewarding. And so I want to encourage you guys to come to what you can. If you're like, dude, I've never prayed out loud in my life. That's fine, man. You won't be called on uh, to pray in a group or to, to pray out loud or anything like that. Uh, I just want to encourage you guys to come to what you can and just uh, have that fulfillment. And then on that Friday night, uh, of the week of prayer, we close it out with a Lord's Supper service, and then we do like a fellowship, uh, like a covered dish fellowship in here afterwards. So, man, just come to what you can, because I can speak on behalf of uh, the adults and the families here at Lakeview. Uh, we love getting to meet you guys. We love getting for you guys to meet us, uh, because the college ministry doesn't exist without Lakeview Baptist Church as a whole. So we want you guys to be plugged in and involved. So hopefully after all that, you've had a chance to find First Timothy chapter 4, uh, if you've been coming on Sunday mornings, Kevin's going through Romans, and so he asked me, he said, hey man, can you fill in while I'm going to Africa? I was like, yeah, baby. I said, are you going to let me teach Romans? And he's like, no. Um, I blocked off that week, and I'll pick it up the next week. And in all fairness, handing me Romans is like handing a toddler a flaming torch and being like, please don't burn down the house. Uh, it's probably just not a wise idea. So, uh, so he said, well, why don't you just do something about New Year's? And I'm like, oh, you cop out. But no, I'm just kidding. So, uh, so we're going to talk about New Year's goals. And as I'm putting this together, as a graphic designer by, by trade and by nature, I was sitting there thinking, okay, what kind of image do I want? And I'm thinking like somebody hiking, somebody traversing, somebody having like a goal that they're trying to achieve. And I found this picture, and I was like, dude, this is awesome. And then I'm like plugging my notes in, and the more I looked at it, I was like, all right, is the dude hiking or stretching? Like I can't. I can't tell if he's got like a hamstring issue going on that he's trying to get worked out before he goes next. And so uh, because I couldn't get off of it, I changed my image. All right, so, uh, so that's where we are. we are today. You're welcome to stretch if you need to. I probably should have. But, uh, but anyway, this morning we want to consider uh, New Year's goals, right? And, and it is New Year's, and, uh, and it's, it's great because everybody comes into a new year in some shape, form, or fashion. There's a lot of focus about New Year's, right? Like starting over, people make New Year's resolutions. Maybe you start thinking about like some goals, some achievements I would like to have. Uh, like it could be something as, as life-changing as don't flunk out this semester, which is a very real goal, right? Nobody's going to amen, but I'll amen it because that was me. Listen, I, I was an academic juggernaut, and I was able to pull a 1.3 GPA my first semester at Auburn. Now, just as you have to work hard to get a 4.0, I had to work really hard to like almost flunk out. So uh, that's a real goal, right, for some of us in this room. And for some of us, 2022 
uh, was a really rough year. Like for some of us, we got kicked in the teeth a little bit. And what New Year's presents is, is kind of a, a, a reset button, right? You can refresh. Uh, you can look forward to reloading something different, i.e. Auburn football. You know, like there's, there's that in mind where like you're entering into a new year and you're like, I'm okay if I don't do my previous year over again, right? That, I'm okay if that's in the rearview mirror. And then for some of us in this room, 2022 was a great year, right? And, and you're looking forward to continuing that, right? Instead of, instead of restocking and hitting the reset button, you just want to reload. And you want that to happen over again over 2023. And so that's where we find ourselves today is that a lot of us enter into a new year on a lot of different spectrums on the scope of things on what your life is looking for heading into a new year. But I want you to know that this passage has application for every one of those situations. The passage today has application for all of it. Now, if you haven't studied the Bible a ton or you don't really know the background of what's going on, Paul the Apostle uh, wrote this uh, book. He authored it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he wrote it to Timothy. And Paul was older in his ministry and in life, and Timothy was a young mentor that he discipled. Paul actually refers to him as his son in the faith. And so that's who this letter is to, because Timothy is a young pastor. He's pastoring at Ephesus, which is the church that bears the name of the letter Ephesians, right, that Paul wrote to this same church. And Paul is trying to encourage him, and he's trying to lay out some truths that Timothy needs to have in his life at this stage of life that's probably not that much further down the road than where you are today. And so what he's writing to Timothy is also applicable for us today. And so that's where we want to start out in 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at just kind of the open premise that, that he opens up with of what he's calling Timothy to do. Then he kind of throws out some specific applications that we're going to look at in uh, our lives today, okay? So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he starts with, don't let anyone look down on you because you were young, but set an example for the believers, okay? And the first thing that we can see today is that age doesn't hinder our ability to set an example. <clears throat> age doesn't hinder our ability to set an example. Now, you may not feel this way, or maybe you do. Um, it's, it's weird going through stages of life, because in your mind, you're not young anymore, right? Because you're not a teenager, uh, you're on your own, you have independence. Some of you probably handle that independence well. Some of you maybe not as good as you could, right? Uh, but you don't feel like you're young anymore. And for a lot of people, it bothers them, right? It bothers them that people are like, oh, well, you're still young. You know, like, yeah, but I'm not as young as I used to be. And you're, you're right, you're not as young as you used to be. Hopefully, Lord willing, the Holy Spirit is using elements in your life to help you mature, to help you grow up. You are becoming your own person, and that is a stage of life. But it's really challenging sometimes when you're like, yeah, but I know something, I feel like I could have input, I feel like I could have an effect in this situation, but you feel like you're being disregarded because of your age. Now, I know it may not seem that way because to a lot of you, like when I was in my 20s, I thought people my age had one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. I thought it was like, do you, do you have much longer in this life? That's just kind of how I felt. Now I'm in this stage, and I'm like, well, I, I wasn't halfway wrong. But no, but the thing is, is like, it's weird. I guess that's why they call it midlife, because to young people, I'm old, and to old people, I'm young. And so it's like, well, what does that mean? And so what Paul is telling Timothy is that don't let people look down on you 
because of where you are in your stage of life or because of your age. But notice what he says. But set an example. Set an example. Don't worry about if people say, oh, well, you're too young. Just let your life set that example for them. And, and trust me, they'll notice. Give it time. Some people may take more time than others, but give it time. Paul says, look, just, just don't let anybody look down on you because of your age. Just do this. Just focus on living your life in such a way that it sets an example because you can have an impact on other people's lives even in your 20s. Even in your late teens, you can still have an effect and you can still have an impact on other people. Now you say, how do we do this? Well, this passage is in a chain of things in all of chapter 4. So go back a little bit to chapter 4, verse 7. Paul tells him, he says, hey, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. See, he's admonishing Timothy. He says, look, as you're growing up, as you're growing up physically, as you're growing up spiritually, continue to train for godliness. Now, here's how this works, okay? A lot of people, I think, fail at growing in their walk with the Lord because they try instead of train. And, and you may find yourself in that boat. I found myself in that cycle throughout my life on many occasions where it's like, I realize there's an area that I want to grow in, I want to mature in, and the more effort I put into it, I feel like the more often I'm, I'm failing. And that's not because I'm not putting forth the effort. It's because I'm not training to do that. Now, some of you guys may not know Blaine. I hope Blaine doesn't mind me putting him on the spot, but it's okay. Kevin will be ne back next week, and, and he, can, he can boost your ego. But no, uh, Blaine is, is a really exceptional golfer, okay? Now, if you've never played golf with me, actually, I, I'm, I'm pretty talented at golf myself. I get to do three hobbies in one day. I get to hunt, fish, and play golf, right? I hunt for my ball, I fish it out of the water, and every now and again, the ball hits the grass, okay? Now, Blaine, though, is an exceptional golfer. So let's say Blaine goes, hey, Greg, I want to challenge you to a contest. We'll, we'll go down to AU Club, and we'll go to their putting green, and we'll do a little contest chipping the ball closest to the hole, right wins, loser buys them brisket at bow and arrow. That sounds like a good little, all right, all right, little challenge. Not a bet, little challenge. Okay, all right, so that's like deal. So I go out there to listen, guys. I'm going to try really hard, okay? But in my trying, that ball is going to go everywhere except on the putting green. Actually, if you ever play golf with me, the safest place for you to stand is between my ball and the hole. Just, I'm just telling you right now, that is the safest place for you to stand if I'm swinging clubs. Now, Let's say I go out there and I try, I mean, I try as hard as I can, but the problem is because I haven't trained, I haven't developed these things in my life, dude, I'm going to stink. I'm just not naturally gifted to that. Now, let's say Blaine challenges me to the same challenge. And I said, dude, give me three months. And he's like, okay. And I go find this other pro golfer, Robert Melvin, okay? And, and I work with him and he trains. Why is everybody laughing? He's like, I don't know why they're right left. Anyway, he trains me. He's like, all right, great. You got you to hold your knees this way. You got to do your shoulders this way. You got to get your hands this way when you swing the club. You know, don't act like you're twerking, like just, just fluid motion with the, with, the, with the stick there, you know. And he trains me day in and day out for three months, okay? Now I show up with Blaine and what happens? Oh, I still buy him lunch because he's an exceptional golfer and I stink. But I'm going to do a lot better, right? Because I've set up this training motion to learn. They say, y'all, it's the same way spiritually. For whatever reason, we feel like now that I'm a Christian, boom, it just naturally comes to me through the Holy Spirit. No, there's still elements in our life that we set up this training regimen 
that we exercise, that we work on, and, and those different elements in our lives, a lot of people call them spiritual disciplines. And so what Paul is telling Timothy is, he says, look, this training, look at what it says. He says, physical training has some value, but godliness has value for all things. He's saying, if you want to set an example for people in your life, if you want to continue to grow and mature in your faith that has an impact on others, that sets examples for others, do that by training in righteousness so you continue to grow and you can continue to flourish in your walk with the Lord. There's a pastor in Ohio, Newt Larson, that wrote a great commentary about 1 Timothy. I'm actually going to quote him several times today. It may be at nausea for some of you, but it's all good because it's really good stuff that he wrote. And here's one of the things that he wrote about don't let anyone look down on you, but to set an example. He says, chronological age does not necessarily bring spiritual maturity. For deep devotion and spiritual training, as well as apathy and weakness can be found among young and old alike. Paul's encouragement to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, should remind us that the issue for leadership is never age, but spiritual development. For true spiritual progress is more than exegetical expertise. It is marked by exemplary conduct and love. What a great encouragement for us to see, like no matter where we are. Now, you may say, well, Greg, I'm not a college student anymore. I'm not in my 20s. Well, you can also consider this in the chronological development of your spiritual walk with the Lord. You know, some of us came to faith in Christ as an adult or later in life, and we're still new in our faith. This applies to us as well. And some of you say, well, well Greg, I've actually been walking with the Lord for about 15 to 20 years now. Awesome. Well, there's guys in this church and ladies in this church that have been walking with the Lord three times that long, and you can learn from them, and you can grow from them as well. Notice what he says. It's not a chronological thing. It's about your maturity and your development. So the main premise here, guys, is that age doesn't hinder our ability to set an example. Well, he gives some specific target areas for, for Timothy as he walks through some of these, and I want to look at some of those today uh, for us in our lives as well. Areas that we can, this year, set some goals, kind of evaluate where we are, look at our training progress to, 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 to go through and develop and to grow stronger in these areas. And the first one is with our speech. We can set an example for others with our speech. You don't have to be a certain age to, to, to model and have an impact on people by what you say. Now, this one uh, hurts for me, okay? I, I wish he wouldn't have started with this one uh, right out of the chute. Like, this is probably one of the weakest areas uh, that I have is, is with my speech. And he says, though, but you can set an example to people with your speech. Jesus, when he was talking about our speech, Jesus makes this powerful correlation between what we say and what's in our hearts. You know, and some of you may know some of these passages, like Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. He says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Right? You ever hear, you've been here long enough to hear Brother Al in some of his sermons, what would he say? He was like, whatever's in the well comes up in the bucket. That's right. That's what Jesus is saying here, right? The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Or, or Luke 6, 45, he said, a good, man, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if you say, hey, look, man, like I'm like you, Greg, I have a hard time setting an example with my speech, right, with what I'm saying, how I'm saying it to people. 
then really what Jesus is saying is that if you want to look at setting some goals, setting some target areas, how do I adjust that to where I can grow spiritually in my speech, to where I can set an example in my speech? What Jesus is actually saying is, then why don't you do like a deep dive into your heart? What is your heart's attitude toward that situation? What is your heart's attitude toward that person? Because it may be that you have something going on in your heart that the Holy Spirit needs to begin to, to file down and to chip away and to change, and then what you'll find is that'll change your speech. Now, let me give you an example. You may say, well, Greg, that's just, that's just no, no. We can have control of it. Let me give you an example. Anybody in here ever been in a, a really heated situation with somebody? Just really aggravated, really frustrated. I mean, you're just ready to, like, strangle somebody. And then all of a sudden, your phone rings, and it's your grandmother. Or it's, you know, Pastor Brian. Somebody like that. Instantly. You don't answer the phone in the same tone that you are in person, do you? You flip a switch. Oh, hey, how's it going? How are you today? Right? You might know what I'm talking about. You can raise your hand. Confession time. That's right. Okay, so, yeah, you know exactly. And you go, dude, you're right. We have an opportunity. Why? Because your heart's attitude toward that person that you're answering the phone to is not anger, it's not frustration, it's not, you, you see what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, you answer that phone because you, you love that person, that person's sweet to you, you see, right? And you go, oh, dang, right? Somebody pointed out to me a long time ago, I wish they wouldn't have. But that's, that's how it goes, and that's why Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows from it. So if you and I want to be people that can set an example in our speech to impact and influence others, one of the ways we can do that is evaluating our heart's attitude toward the people or toward the situations that really frustrate us, really aggravate us, really cause us to fire those words out there in a way that doesn't necessarily honor the Lord. Maybe you're in here today and your speech is very much Christ-like, both in what you say and in what you don't say. Sweet. Your goal for this year would be to reload and just keep, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and continuing to grow. For the rest of us mere mortals, one of the things that we can work on is finding those areas that prompt us to maybe say some things that we wish we would have either not said or said different or would have said when we didn't say anything. Because this can be in what we say it could be true in what we don't say as well. Sometimes we should speak up. Sometimes we should speak out. And in those moments, we tend to guard our tongue. And those are the moments when we should have said something in order to be Christ-like, to interject, to intervene, and to be a part of the scenario. And then, of course, also what we post online, right? Social media is a wonderful blessing, I don't know if you're like me, but dude, there's so many things. I'm not, I'm not very eloquent in how I speak and in how I write and in how I type. Um, if it gives you any indication, the high school that I, that I was graduated from is no longer in existence. Like it was so bad, they shut it down. So my education is not to be trusted. But the thing is, is that, is that there's so many ways that you can see like the way people say things, the way people phrase things, the way people post things. And you're like, dude, that's really awesome. But then also, too, like social media to some degree has, has, has kind of helped us to develop this alter ego that feels like this wall comes down that we can just kind of say whatever we want. And that's not very Christ-honoring either uh, in those moments. Here's what Newt Larson says about this. He says, of, of course the point is not to muzzle our mouths, for we can be silent and very wicked. 
That's a powerful point right there, right? Just because you don't speak doesn't mean that you're godly. You can be silent and be very wicked. The principle is to pursue Christ so diligently that the inner spirit is purified, producing only good and appropriate things to say. So the first area that Paul says that we can set an example, have an impact on people's lives is in our speech. Well, the second thing is in our conduct, in our conduct. Now, if you look at these first two things, both our speech and our conduct, those have tangible aspects and visible aspects of our lives that you can see, right? It's clear and evident to see what somebody says and what somebody does. It's not as easy to see some of the heart conditions that he gets into later. But partner with what we say is what we do, right? There's two phrases that most of you have probably heard before, right? Somebody says, well, don't do as I, don't do, as I do, do as I say. And you're like, well, how... Okay, all right, thanks for the example, appreciate that. But, but when, when you pair the two together, it's very powerful for us to consider that so many things in our lives are developed, they come from what we see versus what we just hear. And so that's where the phrase comes from, is that action speaks louder than words. And so Paul says, hey, not just what you say, Timothy, but let's, let's partner that with also what you do with your conduct. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. James is a very practical book of the Bible. Let me just say this right now. I came to faith in Christ uh, just a little bit before my 22nd birthday. And so when I was new in my walk with the Lord, I knew I wanted to read the Bible. I knew I wanted to see what the Christian life looked like. Uh, but the Bible is very intimidating, right? It's not like a regular book. You don't just start at page one and just read to the end. Man, if you're in that stage of life and you're like, dude, I want to grow. I want to develop spiritually. But to be honest with you, I have no idea where to start. The book of James is super helpful because the book of James walks through so many practical things to help you and to help me evaluate our lives and what we're doing, what we're saying. I just want to encourage you, man, but just be ready too, man. Like, like it'll, it'll, it'll kind of punch you in the throat a little bit uh, as you're trying to grow and walk and, and to carve out some different areas of your life. But, but here's what James chapter 2, verse 14 says. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but they have no deeds. Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but you do nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without your deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Now, if you've never read that before and you're like, I don't, I don't understand what that means. Look, he says the way that we conduct ourselves is not what saves us. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is that the way that we conduct ourselves is the evidence that we have been saved. It's the evidence that we have been saved, right? Um, it, it's, it's kind of like it's not just about posting a daily devotion on social media or just putting a scripture reference in your, in your bio profile, but it's living a life that when people go online and they see what you have going on on social media, they go, oh, well, that makes sense, or vice versa. They see you on social media, then they encounter you in real life, and they go, okay, now that makes sense. Those two things pair up together. But here's the truth about speech and about conduct that so often gets overlooked or so often Satan wants to twist and, 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 and mingle in our mind is this, that nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, right? If, if you're kind of like me, like you sit here and you hear 
something taught about what you say and what you don't say and how you live and what you do and what you don't do, and you go, well, dang, man, like, I can't meet that standard of perfection. And the truth of the matter is, nobody can meet that standard of perfection. We all have areas of our life, both with our speech and with our conduct, that continue to need to be sanctified, that continue to need to be carved away and transformed to the image of Christ. Even the godliest person that you know, think about the godliest person that you know. Even the godliest person that you know has errors in their life that they still continue to need to be transformed to the image of Christ. And if they tell you that they don't, then they are not the godliest person that you know. Because the godliest person that you'll meet will tell you, I am not perfect. Not yet, anyway. Because we all have these things. So don't look at your life and don't let Satan beat you up over it, okay? Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Guilt comes from the devil. And there's a huge difference in the two. Conviction is areas of my life that I realize that need to be transformed to the image of Christ, and I haven't prayed and asked forgiveness for those yet. Guilt comes when I've already done those things, and Satan tries to remind me of those things. Like, oh, well, Greg, but you still have problems with this. Yeah, I do. That's why I confessed them to the Lord. I love what Billy Graham said one time. He said, when Satan comes and tries to remind me of my past, I remind him of his future. And that's a powerful thought that we can all hang on to today. So we, have, we can set an example in our speech. We can set an example in our conduct. The third thing that he says in here is that we can set examples with our love, with our love. Guys, listen, when you go through and you read the Gospels and you read all of Jesus' teachings, there's a moment where he's sitting down kind of at the tail end of his life here on earth. It's right before he's going to be crucified. He'll be buried. He's, he's got a short amount of time left with his disciples about 40 days to really like hammer home everything that he's been trying to do. Of all the things they've seen him do, they've seen him teach, they've seen him heal, they've seen him pray, they've seen him do all of these different things, right? Of all the things that Jesus has laid out for them, of all the things that they've seen, the, the only thing that he puts above all of that in John's Gospel chapter 13 is love. Look at what he says. In, in John chapter 13, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Here's the catch right here. You ready? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By the way, that came after he had knelt down and washed all of their feet individually, which is, is, it was an act of a servant. He, we have a, a serving Savior. So think about this, guys. Of all the things in their life, not how well you pray, not how loud you sing, not how well you worship, not how faithful you go to the synagogue. All these areas that should be present in our life, of all those things, Jesus said, the identifying marker that you have been transformed by the gospel, that you're growing in a relationship with Jesus, that you're seeking to have an impact on other people's lives by setting an example, is the love that you have for one another. That's, that's, that's what he says. He says, this is the example to an unbelieving world is the love that we have for one another. Think about it, man. If I'm talking to somebody who, who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus and I want to invite them to accept Christ as their Savior, to be transformed, and to come be locked into a local church, which I believe is vital in the process of growing in my faith, and we all look as dysfunctional as they do without Christ, like who would want that? Nobody openly chooses to be a part of a dysfunctional family, 
Nobody looks at a, at, a, at a dysfunctional family and goes, dude, I wish I had that. No, they go, I wish I didn't have that. And so if we look like a dysfunctional family to the lost world, why in the world would they want to accept Christ? Why in the world would they want to come and be a part of what we're inviting them to come to be involved and invested in? Jesus says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. And you know what overflows into a love for one another is our love for God. Loving God impacts how much we're able to love other people. Because we go closer to God, we start to see people, as Pastor Brian says, as the image bearers of him. So we set an example for people as we grow in our walk with the Lord, in our speech, in our conduct, in our love. The next thing he says is in our faith. In our faith. Our faith in God and his attributes. Our faith in Jesus and his finished work in his death, burial, and resurrection. Our faith in the Holy Spirit and his presence and power in our lives as we continue to train for godliness, as we continue to grow. Now, here's the thing, guys, is that the older I get, I've had a, I've had a chance to, to have a relationship with Jesus for uh, 25 years now, okay? And my faith in him now is stronger than it was 25 years ago. It's stronger than it was 15 years ago. It's stronger than it was 10 years ago. Why is that? Because I've walked through some really crappy situations in life. Life has really kicked my family in the teeth on a lot of different levels. And I can't point out a single one of those where the Lord left me hanging out to dry. Right? He was always there. Sometimes I didn't see it in the moment. I have to confess, some, some of those I still haven't seen yet. And I may not see while I'm still here on earth. But the continued faithfulness of the Lord, and as I continue to walk with him down the road, and I continue to look back and see all that he's done. Guys, you know what Psalms is? If you've ever read through Psalms, Psalms is a rehash of who the Lord is, what he's done for them, and the reaction to that knowledge is what? It's worship. It's worship. You will never find yourself in a situation in life where God doesn't care about you in that situation, and he doesn't care about that situation. And he wants to reveal himself to you. That's actually what we're going to hear about this morning in Big Church. And so it's our, it's our faith. I, I love what Newt Larson and Warren Wiersbe say about this. They say, faith is our knowledge and our confidence in Christ, our deep reliance on what he has done and who he declares or what he declares as truth. And then here, here's the big, like, boss statement right here by Warren Wisby. Faith always leads to faithfulness. It's awesome. We can set an example. You may say, dude, I, don't, I look at people like, like Pastor Brian or, 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 or some of the people in the room. I don't want to embarrass them by putting them on the spot. But you, you have some people in here that have been walking with the Lord a really long time. And you go, dude, man, I wish I had their faith. Well, guess what? You haven't lived life at the level they've lived. You, 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 you won't have their level of faith. But that's fine. They're not the standard. Jesus is. Don't ever look to other people as the standard that you're trying to live up to. Jesus is all of our standards that we're trying to live up to. And I guarantee you, if you ask those people, man, I wish I had your kind of faith, they would probably say, I wish I had the faith, and they'll tell you somebody else who's had an impact in their lives, right? Right? And, and, and Kevin's talked about this on many occasions, too. Like, 
don't think that the Lord can't give you the level of faith that you need in the situation you have. Like, for example, like you see these Bible studies that are like, dare to be a Daniel. Don't dare to be a Daniel. Dare to be Jesus. Because Daniel himself confesses that Jesus was the source of his faith. <laughs> right? Don't, don't dare to be another person. Dare to be Jesus. And see how Jesus has impacted those other people and say, he can do that in me as well. So examples in our, in, our, in our speech, in our conduct, in our love, in our faith. And then lastly, he says, in our purity. In our purity. And, and listen, guys, in our ever-expanding world of technology, obviously this area grows harder and harder. Right? I, I love the illustration that, that technology and media is like, is like fire. It's an incredibly powerful tool. When used properly, it can do some amazing things right? Cooking, you know? If any of you guys have ever had Laura Webb and Lena Solly's food, right? Or Jonathan Middleton's barbecue, that came from fire, <laughs> right? And you're like, yes, or some component of fire. Or glass blowing. I don't know why. I'm such a nerd. I'm mesmerized by glass blowing. Like blown away on Netflix, I'm like, <laughs> you know? Now, some of the personalities I could do without, but the product, I'm like, amazing, right? Fire can do some incredible things. It really can, right? In, used properly in the right hands, it can do some things, but it's also very, very deadly and destructive, right? I mean, you think about the wildfires that happen in places like California or, or in an instant, right? Somebody's house could be struck by lightning and like everything that they have in their home is like gone, right? So, so technology and media is the exact same way. It's a very, very powerful tool, but so often, people look at this passage and, and all they refer to is like sexual purity. And to be honest with you, probably in this case, because it was Ephesus, right? It was a very sexually savvy city like most affluent cultures are. That's probably what Paul was referring to here with Timothy to set an example with how you're living your life in your relationships because there's not a whole lot of those examples there in Ephesus. But it can mean so much more than just our sexual relationships, right? You, you could be pure in heart. You could be pure in spirit. You could be pure in mind. You could be pure in motives. There's so many other areas that the Bible mentions about being pure that talks about those things as well. The, the biggest difficulty I think that you guys have in this stage of life, in this area, is that for most of you, if not for all of you, it's kind of the first time that you've had real freedom paired with new temptations. You know, you, you don't have somebody looking over your shoulder like you did when you were living at home or like when you were a teenager. And so it's this new area of life that you're trying to figure out what are the new boundaries. Anybody in here ever have pets? Anybody ever have pets, right? It's kind of like you ever moved to a new house with that pet? And it's like your pet figured out what the boundaries were at your old home. Now they've moved to a new home and they're kind of like, I, I don't know where, you know, you got to help them figure out where the new boundaries are. That's why you shock them like crazy. I'm kidding. I'm oh my gosh, Greg, that just went real south real quick. No, I'm just kidding. But the thing is, is that, uh, yeah, when, when you move to a new area, that, that's what that's like, right? When you enter a new stage of life, now all of a sudden, you, you've got to learn where the new boundaries are. You got to learn where the new parameters are, right? And, and, and you need somebody to help you and guide you in those areas. And, and that's why Paul says to Timothy, you can set an example how you are in your relationship, both in the things that you do and in the things that you don't do. So here we have all these areas, right? In, in closing, um, we have all these areas. Paul admonishes Timothy, hey, 
continue to grow in your walk with Jesus, right? Continue to grow and develop in your walk with the Lord. Why? So that you can set an example for other people, and that's not based on how old you are, right? Any age can set any example to people in their walk with Christ so that you can have an impact with others. And he says some, some areas specifically uh, with our speech, with our conduct, with our love, with our faith, and with our purity. Here's what Newt Lawson, if you're not tired of him yet, I'm closing with this one. He encapsulates this whole thing in this wonderful statement. He says, authentic spirituality cannot be separated from inner righteousness. Christianity, which is honest and genuine, envelops the entire person from inner heart and spirit to outward behavior, right? And, and we've heard Hal talk about that so many times of, of a complete person, right? Body, mind, soul, and spirit. And that's what he talks about. It encapsulates all of this. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning, right? Some of you, you had a great year in 2023, and all you're ready to do is to reload and lock and just redo everything all over again in 2023. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because you have an opportunity to continue developing and sanctifying those areas of your life so that you can continue to impact others. Please don't let off the gas. Don't let off the gas. Because none of us cross the finish line while we're here on earth. Whether you've been walking with the Lord for a year or whether you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years. There's always areas in our life that can still continue to be transformed and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Some of you had a hard year. Well, praise the Lord for that. You say, well, praise the Lord for a hard year? Yeah, yeah. Because none of us are in a place in any of these areas that the Lord can't redeem, revive, and begin the process of renewal. And we praise the Lord for that. No one of us had a year this past year that the Lord can't intervene, he can't forgive, he can't restore, he can't renew, and he can't begin the process of rebuilding this year. None of us. Satan would like to think that you have, but there's no passage in the Bible that says that any of you have reached that point. And so it's a great year for you as well. Well, I'm going to pray, and then we have some things that you guys can talk about around your table groups to close out this morning. Lord, we thank you so much. For this day, thank you for this powerful passage that you inspired Paul to write to Timothy because it's just as applicable to us today as it was to him back then. We don't have to be young. We don't have to be in ministry. We don't have to be in Ephesus. We don't have to have lived thousands of years ago. It, it applies to us today. And so, Lord, we thank you that, that we have an opportunity, that we can grow, that we can develop, that we can walk with we, you. We thank you that you give us the person and the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit to help make these things happen in our lives. We thank you that you give us an opportunity to have that personal relationship with you and to continue to grow and develop. So Lord, I pray for everyone in this room, Lord. I pray that this year could be a foundational year for all of us to look back and to see how much of an impact and an influence it had in our walk with Jesus and the impact it was able to make with other people. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.